All right, everyone. That's one of my favorites from Gertie Beats. That's called For the Kids. And tonight we have Mr. Jamie Reyes coming on to give his journey through the family court system, as well as giving you guys out there a guide to maybe kind of live by going through it. So let's give it up for Jamie Reyes. Everyone, here we go. Hello? Hello, Jamie. This is Billy. You're on Future Family Focus tonight. How you doing, bud? Um, well, let's start out by introducing yourself and, and letting everyone know why you're on tonight. Um, well, my name is Emma Ray. I'm 28 years old and uh, I have two daughters, ages five and uh, four. His name is Reese. And uh, about a year ago, a year, next, a year next month, I separated from my soon-to-be ex-wife over, you know, just issues, you know, probably the same as any other, you know, marriage out there. And now I'm just on the road to recovery now. Right on. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and start, just start from the beginning um, of that whole family court issue, and then just once you do that, describe, I guess, how you felt going into it. Remember, I was just talking, like I said, about a year ago, like the last week of March, um, beginning of April, we had been arguing that day, the night before us. I had caught her many times cheated, and we were married for four years, about to be five in a few months. You know, we were separate for the last, the last year. And I, every year, I just caught cheating, and I just kept taking her back because, I, you know, I loved the woman. And, and at the time, it was separate, I still did. And she just texted me one day, hey, I wanted to divorce, and we argued that day, and then pretty much left the house for the month. Uh, a few weeks and then I came back, you know, due to some advice from some people, and uh, it just felt really bad. It kind of felt like my life was very, like, what I had thought a marriage was supposed to be, and a family was, it was kind of just shattered all by, you know, those four right. words in a text. <clears throat> so, I mean, did you guys do anything or, or talk about maybe going through counseling or something to try to figure things out? Or is it pretty much just over and done? It's just pretty much over and done because, I mean, not a lot of close friends know this, but about a year, we we should have separated a year before, a year before, so it should, it should be two years instead of one year right now, but we had said we we're going to break up, and then we didn't have to go to counseling, and she didn't want to, and then fast forward to this year, to today, and or last year, and we'll be actually separated. So the strict counseling I've been trying to, but the first month and a half after we separated, I've been trying to try to work it out as well as counseling that, you know, just do whatever. They don't leave any stone in turn because I don't want to go 10, 15 years from now and, you know, regret not doing any, everything we could have to save this marriage. And, you know, unfortunately for me and, you know, our daughters, that she didn't want to uh, do that. 
And so at one point, I, I, so at one point, I just had to tell myself, you know what? If anything is gonna, if we're gonna reconcile it at, at all, it's gonna have to come from her. Because I've done everything I could at that point to tell her to turn this to go to counseling, let's do this, let's do that. And I had admitted to her the faults, the things that I thought I did wrong. I admitted to her and I apologized to her. And uh, I just said, unfortunately, she didn't want to try that. So it's pretty much over and done with. And it took me a few months just to get through my head. We weren't going to work out at all. And what kind of, during that process, what kind of emotions did you go through? Anger, uh, sadness, crying, uh, doubting myself because, and angry I heard because, she cheated, and I just kept taking her back five, six times. I know that she cheated, and and then angry at you know friends and newest coworkers and newest that were coming to tell me things she was doing and saying behind my back, and sadness because it's just the end of what I thought was supposed to be forever, you know, and you know you hear all these horror stories about these other fathers and the husbands that go through this, and, and you just and you say you understand, and you say you, you get it, and you know what they're going through, but you, you never, you never really understand it to the full extent until you actually go through it. Right. And and when I finally went through it, it, it just hit me, you know. And then I just I had to go through the sort of recovery, you know. Always being around somebody, I, you know, dive myself into my work, and just so I wouldn't have, have no. Not, not one time where I was not doing anything. Well, so what, I mean, if you were to, to help other people going through this, what are some ways that you were able to overcome those those emotions and that, those feelings? I, I just always, I always constantly try to look for somebody to talk to, whether it was, you know, about the situation, whether it was just about, you know, the basketball game that I just watched or just whatever was on the news because I, I hated being, I hated being alone. I mean, I, I was with it for five and a half years before we got married, and we were together. At that point, we were together nine, and a, nine years and every month before she told me she wanted a divorce. I mean, that's, I mean, damn near 10 years of my life that I gave her, you know. It's fun. I thought I was pretty much a fool for the whole the whole time, you know. It, it hurt, but I guess the, the one thing is just to be around friends and family, and I actually find the ones that actually care about you and the ones that actually will help you, you know, and just dive yourself into something that that you like. And maybe before, maybe before you get with, you know, your significant other, you like reading books or playing basketball or whatever, then go back to doing that, you know. Right. Something that you did before you were with that person and then you kind of just lost sight of it. You know, go back to doing that. For me, it, for me, it was actually reading and going to the movies.
processing, you know, our daughter is about eight girls. And usually I have a son of my saying, hey, girls, this is your dad. And I say the day and time and what I was just doing. And I just told him how I felt that day. And that really, really helped me get out the funk that I was in. You know, it's kind of like the, uh, it helped me just get out over things. Right. So basically, I mean, just, just surrounding yourself maybe with positive, positive people and, and keep your children involved really is really what helped you. And then going through work, obviously. Yeah, and, and keeping the children involved. And, and I always, always try to spend as much time as I could with my kids, you know, and, you know, whether the mom was, you know, screaming at me or yelling at me or just, you know, trying to be me, I always just said yes. You know, I, I never tried to argue with her. I never put my in a position that could hurt me while I was in court or later on, whatever. Right. And I try to spend as much time with my kids and and take them to do things that they like to do. Well, I mean, that's that's good advice, man. So when you when you did start the process of court, was it you or was it her that decided to go that route? Um, well, basically, I was freaking out from the moment that she told me that she wanted a divorce. So, the day that day, I made them. And what I now kind of find out was a mistake. She started texting me, and, you know, and it was, I was being stupid. I, I didn't know what was going on. I always was just driving three, four hours later. She was asking me, you know, for my social, my mom's address, where my mom is, even though she knew who. You know, her maiden name and all that stuff, and it didn't hit me until after a couple of hours later, my friend came and picked me up, and I called him and told him what was going on. And he came and picked me up, and, and he took me to his friend's house, I mean, his cousin's house, and his cousin was like, so what's going on? And I told him, and he couldn't tell me, this is what she's doing to you. And so he's like, you gotta, you gotta start doing it too. So then, while I'm doing it, while I'm watching, Filling out the child support through the OAG's website, I started doing it too, on the advice of my friend's cousin, and that's how that started the whole process. And then, you know, soon thereafter, I say about a week, we got a, I well, we both got there for a, for a mediation, and then, we'll, and then we did that, and then, uh, then after that, the next step. Was a uh, judicial review meeting, and then after that, we went to court. Then we went to court two months after because it got reset, and then we just went to well, we we both were supposed to show up to court a few weeks ago, but she didn't show only I did, and then the judge pretty much told me to go home. Right. So you said you guys went to mediation. Can you talk about what happened in mediation? Yeah. Uh, we both showed up, and. and by that by that point, I had kind of wise up a little bit. I had started reading on on how divorce works and child support and all that, and I kind of started figuring things out a little bit. And had joined a bunch of these all those rights groups and child support groups talking about how pretty much telling you how child support is unlawful and how you can negate it if you do it correctly. Right and we showed up to mediation, and then we sit down, and she's like, I'm so-and-so, you're the guy after mediation, and she's like, Mr. Reyes, um, well, first,
chance as to who are the children staying with, and we both said the children are staying with us equally because they were and still are. And then she asked us, she asked one of the primary residents, and then I, I said that I wanted 50 50, and she said no. And at this point, I can notice that the, the, the caseworker, whatever her title was, was starting to get angry and agitated. And then she's like, well, we don't do 50 50 here. We just need to know who's going to be the primary care or whatever. And she, obviously, she wanted, she wanted it, and then she said, and she looked at me and I said, well, I want 50 50. And she said, again, well, we don't do that here. I have to go to court for that. And then, and then she's like, well, Mr. Reyes, both the have case open, one that is served as a custodial parent, and then one this, and then one that is me as a custodial parent. My first son, mine has her as an NCP, and her, and her has me as an NCP. And so she's like, Mr. Reyes, we're going to go ahead and give you your papers to, uh, or uh, close your case on, and then we can just go forward with hers. And in my head, I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, why didn't you ask her if she wanted to hers out? But knowing how they usually split that over, I, I, you know, if something was on me, don't, don't sign it. And I said, well, I'm not going to sign that. I want 50-50. And she, she got up and kind of slammed her hands on the, on her computer keyboard and said, well, we can't do nothing to it. And so you have to figure out who's going to be the custodial parent. And, and the primary residence, and until you figure that out, then we can't move forward. I need to go outside and figure that out and come back inside. And then we went outside, and she was screaming at me, probably was another thing. You know, you're effed up, and we're trying to take the kids away from me, and and then she just stormed off. But that was never your intentions to take the kids away, right? Because you were talking about you were you were talking fifty fifty the whole time. So yeah, my my intentions. Ever since we said for that day, it was was fifty fifty. You know, don't try to support because I felt like you know why should I have to pay support? Why should you have to pay support? You know, why should any parent have to pay support if you're spending equal time with the, the children? Right. And that was my thing to her. And that day that was set up, she had asked one of the first things she told me after she came back into her apartment after she had texted me she wanted a divorce was how much money can you give me? And I said, well, I can't give you anything. I can't guarantee you a certain amount. I said, I'll put out give you $100 a week. And so this thing settles over. And she said, well, no, I need more money. I said, oh. And so I told her, well, you know what? That's all I can give you right now. Take it or leave it. So she was like, that's fine. So I, I for the first month, I went for $100 Friday when I got paid. And then I sent her 20 bucks for like diapers. And I sent, I sent it to her through the cash out. And I made sure that the description of the payment, like what it was for, like for the girls or for diapers. And after that, I kind of came to my senses after I started reading and researching stuff. And I'm like, you know what? We're spending equal time with the kids. I'm not going to, I told her I'm not going to give you any more money. And she just blew up on me. You're not going to see the kids until 45. And, and you're so messed up and this and that. And, and it was just like that for four. I want to say for about the first two or three months after we separated, it was like that. She was telling me I'm not going to see the kids, and every every little thing that I did wrong, for you know, in her opinion, she she was saying you're not going to see the kids, you know, and I mean that hurt. Well, I mean legally, you were in the right by saying you know you you wasn't going to send her any more money because there was no court order at that point, correct? Yeah, and, and there still is not a court order. I don't have a court order saying. Hey, you know, 
the kids or whatever, Monday through Friday or whatever, and you get them Saturday through Sunday night at 7 or whatever. And we still don't. And I come and find out, I'm like, since we had no food order, if I had the kids with me and she came to pick them up, you know, for the guy to come up one time, he's like, for example, he's like, if you have the kids right now and you're making a dream, like, hey, we'll pick up the kids Friday at 7 p.m. But when she comes, as she comes to pick up at 7 p.m. and for whatever reason you refuse to, the cops are going to ask you where the court order saying that the kids are supposed to go with you. And when she says we have no court order, we just have a verbal agreement. But all they're going to do is tell us that it doesn't matter if we can't hand them over to you. We can't force them to give them the We can't force him to give the kids to you. Right. So I, I, one time she you know, made me angry and I thought, you know, I guess you can say after that in a face. I'm like, well, you know what? Go ahead and tell the cops because they won't be able to do nothing. They have no court order. And, and you know, lucky for me and the children, she didn't, you know. Right. And uh, so I found that out, you know, unexpectedly that since there's no court order, the enforcement can't force me to give the children to her. Right. Possession being nine-tenths of the law. So, yep. was, um, I mean, was her main reason for acting out like that? And basically using the children as as a weapon, honestly, because she wanted money. Uh, I I I honestly I, I really believe that you know because from the moment like I said you know she stood up when she asked me but she came back to the apartment was how much money can you give me? And after that, I was not for like a month, two months later, I started thinking about things and it just hit me that oh. Uh, the big reason was for the money, you know. Other than, you know, she didn't want to deal with me no more and, you know, whatever the case right. was, uh, right. the one of the main reasons for her wanting to use, you know, the kids was because she wanted to get money to support her lifestyle that she felt she could live, but she wanted to be good. It felt like she was trying to, she's trying to use me to live a lifestyle that she knows she can't keep up without, you know, me or without being in a relationship with somebody else. Right. Well, so can you describe the basically the relationship between you guys at that point? It, it was crappy, you know. It, it's a lot better now. I still wouldn't say it's where I want it to be because my preference was all over the beach. You stuck together and working out, but it, it was crappy because she would try to use the kid against me, mention stuff about money and stuff, and and obviously, I was trying to, she made more money at that point, not much, no, but um, I felt that she felt she could use her financial, you know, superiority, I guess if you want to call it that, against me. But the difference was between me and her was that, you know, I made more, she made more money than me. Somehow, somewhere, I always had more money than her. I managed that much better. And so I when I was tell I told her that uh I I told her that I would uh I would support the kids, you know, financially, but I, I just didn't want to pay but she's like, No, you have to give me money, you have to give me money four hundred bucks and that enough a month and and uh she would just always try to throw money in my face and I just said, oh, it's crap because I'm like, I'm trying to, I was I'm trying to co-parent with you, you know, work with me, you know, and then finally, the way, the way it's been, that seven, eight months has been, 
I get the children Saturday at from work, which is usually around 10 30, then at 5 in the morning, and I keep them till Wednesday. Wednesday, so if I work in the morning, Wednesday, then I drop off the kids at the babysitter. And if I don't work, then I keep them, and then we, you know, then we talk about, get them, meet me here at three or four, or whatever, and, you know, we can hand children, we can exchange the children, and, and it's taking me so long to get to that point. Right. It's just like, like after I find a disabled place to stay and mention, okay, we can do that. And then, so I'll leave the kids against me. Oh, you think you're taking me one this week? Okay, well, you're not going to get the kids Saturday through Wednesday. Because my thing was, I need to, to help me in court, my thing was, I need to establish, like, a pattern, like a, right. uh, a, a foundation. Or I can't, a repetitive schedule. I, I can't think of the correct word I'm going to use, but I, I need to. I need to establish uh, a pattern of the kids are with me this time and this time. A routine, yes. I guess a routine is what I was trying to establish. Because I was reading up on myself, and at least everything pretty much says you need to establish a routine. And that's what I was trying to do. I've had that established for the last eight months. I went through about eight months where I've had a Saturday through Wednesday, which pretty much comes to about four days for me and three days for her. So at this point, is there. You said there's still not a court order on child support or, or uh, visitation? There is no court order. Uh, I mean, once I did this, I got with people and all the rights groups and, and things like that. And and certain guys sent me documents. I filled them out and explaining, you know, you can't buy this right and this right and, and so forth. And then one, I actually put in the parenting plan and, and uh, you know, every time I went to court, oh, you need a lawyer. No, no, I don't. Well, we're going to give you more time to find a lawyer. And then they got reset. And they went to court next time. And I said, well, I still can't find a lawyer. And they're like, well, you have not filed documentation that you want to get from what you have to have. I submitted it. You're supposed to bring it to court. I'm like, well, this paper you all me specifically says, you know, submit the paperwork on or before the court date or bring it with you to court. Well, I submitted it before the court. So they, you know, angrily went to go to the Paperwork and oh, oh, Mr. Reyes, you, you're requesting that uh, both parents pay child support. I'm like, yes, I am. And because I had read and Dad had told me that he runs one of these big groups on Facebook talking about sure ex, you're going to be ex wife making more money than you. He's like, for example, if they order her, if they check in and stuff, they just come out to take their child support, she pays you and you pay 400 well, that difference which will be 200 in between to you. And I got started work. So that's what I had in the form, the document that he sent me. So then they went back and forth and couldn't put it to it. So I finally went to the judge, and this is the second time I went to court. And I went and I went up to the judge, and we both went with the OED's attorney, and the, and the judge said that you're asking to determine the primary residence of the children, right? I guess. And he's like, and you want to continue. And I guess pretty much he was trying to say that pretty much telling me I was contradicting myself if you can't do one and get the other. And I kind of get what he was trying to say, but that's what I had put in the paperwork. And so then eventually he just told me, well, I, I strongly suggest that you get a lawyer because there's a lot of unlawful things in this document that you sent me. And while he's telling me this, I'm thinking, well, I'm kind of laughing in my head because I'm like, well, there's really a lot of unlawful things. And my document, you know, wouldn't throw me in jail, you know, give her everything she's asking for, you know? Right. But it, it didn't make sense to me that he would tell me that. Right. And he's pretty much telling me that I have um, too many crimes in my paperwork. 
you're not with, you know, the, the mother anymore and you, and they are fighting you, you know, and using you against the children and to try to get you down to try, try to throw you up again, to try to put in some dicks in you so you will you'll just get scared and court and just pretty much, pretty much sign your rights away, sign your property away, no property being your children, you know? And that's and, what, that right there, so I get a lot of feedback from women who don't understand that one thing right there. And a lot of men, a lot of times, don't even make it to court because the woman's already beat them down too much. And this does go vice versa sometimes. But the other parties beat them down so much that they're just scared to go in there thinking they're going to lose anyway, so why even waste all the money? Yeah, and, and to me, it's like, don't, don't, don't be scared to go to court, you know. It, it, I mean, obviously, the woman's not, in a lot of cases, Unlike mine, you know, the woman falls through and doesn't interest you the kids, but obviously you have all that free time to, you know, go to go to that library, go to go on that and research what you can do to go to court because if you don't go to court then you're just gonna be assuming that you're agreeing with them athletes and so so if you if you if you don't go to court, you know, you're gonna lose. If you go to court, you know, obviously a lot of people are you're gonna lose the other way. So I mean if you're gonna lose it and you're gonna be screwed then might as well do it your own way, you know, study up, you know. Right. Yeah, go to the law library, open up a book, go online, Google, Google laws, Google things you can do to, you know, to yourself because, you know, in most cases, I got most nine times out of ten, you know, a lawyer is useless in my opinion because the, the lawyers are contracted by the state and, and it, it's like it's like paying your enemy to help you defeat another enemy. It, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know, so right. I, I might as well just go, going for it on your own, you know, the, the, and the court, and I, and I can't remember what are or, or what statute or whatever, but it is somewhere in the Texas book that uh, a lawyer's allegiance first is to the state, then to the courts, and then to its client. So I mean, they're basically telling you that the lawyers are going to screw you over because their their allegiance is to the courts and to the state. So why pay you know, a lawyer five, six, seven thousand dollars, and in the end, you're you're in the hole of sixty, seventy thousand, a hundred thousand dollars, whatever the case is. You know, if you're going to get screwed, then might as well get screwed saving all that money, you know? Right. And a lot of times people, people don't realize that, I mean, a, a big help here in Texas, at least, is TexasLawHelp.org. And, I mean, that'll give you exactly how to do anything a lawyer can do for you. And then you go into the courtroom and you get to tell your story, not someone else, not some lawyer who doesn't have, you know, your family at heart. All they're caring about is that money, so I get where you're coming from. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, to go back to what you just said right now, the Texas Law that works, I think it's that website that has uh, another, another one. It gives you all the forms that you're going to need to follow. It gives you the stature, you know, all those like 60 pages, I think, or whatever. Right. Or you can just go to the library and they'll try to like 10 cents a page or whatever. But all the forms you're going to need to follow are on that, on that, uh, on that website, page, the one that you said. Right. Texas Law.org, and, and I just recommend to all fathers, you know, you know, don't don't ignore their don't ignore their uh, their letters or whatever. Because if you don't, if you ignore, you just are you're already losing. You know, always make sure you respond in some way, form, or fashion. But if not, then you're you got to be lost. You screwed yourself over. Well, so moving forward, do you have any goals set? My goals are still to win my, are still to win my court case. You know, I, I still want to win my court 
case I still want to get that paper saying, you know, the case has been dismissed, you know, I want to get the paper that says no child support, you know, 50-50, um, you know, with prejudice, um, because with prejudice, I believe they can't reopen the court case. Maybe you get a paper that says prejudice. Well, I mean, uh, without prejudice, they can't reopen the court case at any time, but uh, my goal is to win my case, first of all, and while I'm doing it, even after whatever, you know, whatever result I get, my my goal is to help other fathers not get down. My goal is to help other fathers not really, you know, just not shoot themselves in the foot like I have done a few times and I've gotten nothing, you know. Right. But, well, so, you know, it's... So what are some things going through all of this that you would you would tell others to avoid so that you're not hurting the other parent or the child or children through that process? I would say, first of all, just always keep it about the children. There's no need for you to talk to the mother, especially in the beginning stages, anything other than the children. Especially those first few, in those first few months, they're so volatile, so much probably, you know, so much verbal, you know, abuse, you know, going back and forth, probably don't treat yourself in the foot, don't sit there and, and text the mother or talk to her because you never know. You always got to assume that the other party is, is either keeping the text messages and recording the voice, the voice, the, the phone call. So you never, you're also to assume that you're being recorded in some way, form, or fashion. So don't sit there and, and call her a B-word or call her, you know, a slut or or say you're going to keep your children or anything to treat your children foot like that because, because a lot of times that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to find some way to paint you in a picture where it'll help them in court, you know, keep the kids from you more and then get more money from you. Right. So don't sit there and, and just always assume that you're being recorded by the other parent or their family because a lot of times they'll get friends or family that try to help them try to screw you over. Right. And second of all, another thing I'll say is don't ever step foot. Once you moved on, once you moved out, you know, like you're not living in the same house or apartment or whatever. Don't ever, whenever you come pick up the children, don't go past the front door because the minute you step in that front door, the minute you step a foot inside that door and you know that apartment or house, you're shooting something in the foot because then now, you know, that person can claim that, you know, you force yourself your way in, you push yourself your way in, you forced or, you know, and then once you're in the house, they can make any claim that you, that you, you know what I mean? That you just put yourself in a bad situation, don't ever step foot in, in yeah. that residence, and don't ever let her step foot in your residence, because if you, if she comes over to pick up the kids, you never know, she might have a couple of ounces of crack, cocaine, or weed, and she throws them under the bed or whatever, and then 10 minutes later, you know, you have, you know, a whole police force at your house searching for drugs, whatever. Because I've heard stories where that's where that's the case, where the one comes over and then ten minutes later after she leaves, you know, there's cops outside, you know, a father's house, and then you know, ten minutes later he's being arrested because there's drugs that the, the mom planted, you know. Right. I'm not I'm not a source, and there's yeah. so many ways. You know, y'all gotta be aware. Yeah, I would add to that definitely. If, if you feel like the situation is that bad, always record. So always have your phone on record. It, even if you're going up just to the front door to pick up your child, always record. That'll definitely help, help your case.
and then mm-hmm. it's document, 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 document. If, and I want to ask you recording. I was involved in, in a situation where I thought the kids were being harmed in uh, a very specific way. So come up, you know, to actually recording thing, I was told by uh, a Texas, uh, Texas police detective that in Texas uh, you can record uh, without it's a one party state, so you can record without the other party knowing. Right. Yeah, I always tell people it don't matter what's going on. If, if the other party's involved in any way, you want to try to record if if it's that kind of case. So as long as one person knows about it, that one person only has to be you. But yeah, and then and, and there and there's so there's so many recorded apps online that you uh, on the Google Play Store or the Apple Store or whatever iTunes whatever it is now. Right. There's so many apps that you can. There's so many apps that you can use to uh to uh to record for free. And there's no need to pay five, six, hundred bucks, whatever you know. Right. I mean, there's so many apps you can use to record. And one thing that that keep yourself organized. So after you record a phone call, you immediately go on that phone call and add a description to it. Whether it's you know you know uh, Susie threatens me with the kids or or Susie calls. You know, you know what I mean? Always put right. a description because if you wait a month or two months or whatever it is and you're going to sit there and listen to these phone calls from beginning to end, you know, just to leave a little description. That way you're not having to dig through each file every time you go to court. I need this one for a day. I need this one for tomorrow or whatever, you know? Right. So I always keep myself organized. I always able files. I always do that as soon as you can. Well, that's all good advice, man. So I guess in closing, I mean, do you have anything that uh, parents or fathers would need to focus on, you know, once the process is over, what, whether it ends good or bad, you know, what what things do you have for them to focus on? Whether the process is over or still going on, I really believe that you always got to keep your composure going because in, in the end, in the end, the kids are going to know the children will always know who is in front of the kids will know who's doing right or doing wrong. So, I mean, you you don't ever want to do to the mother whatever she's threatening to do to you. You know, just right. do the right thing, and even eventually, you know, it might it, it might hurt. You know, you know, because a lot of fathers don't ever see kids until they're eighteen again, and you know, by then they, the kids are are going to be wise, and, and the kids will know, hey, dad did try to see me. Dad was trying to see me more time, and mom was always. Mom was always trying to, you know, mom was the one that was keeping me from, and mom was the one, you know, stopping dad from seeing me, you know, so just, I was just the right thing, and in the end, the kids are going to know regardless, you know. Right. And I would, I would add to that, any fathers that are going through that right now that aren't seeing their kids and waiting until that 18th birthday to always, I mean, document everything, log every, everything showing how much you tried, you know, you've been paying child support. That way, when the kid does ask, you have all facts. And yeah, and 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 that's what I've been doing. Like I said, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I uh, making me the new one. And the kids are gonna have my daughters. You know, our daughters are gonna ask us. Ask me, you know, what happens to you and mom? And I'm gonna tell them, well, first of all, you know, I'm gonna tell them, go ask your mom first, and and let me know what she tells. Let me know what she tells you, you know. And then when what she, whatever she tells you, come back and tell me. And then I'll be able to tell you that she's lying to you or she's telling you the truth. Because if she comes back, if my daughters, you know, our daughters come back and tell me, well, mom says this and mom says that is not what I 
But what is the truth? I'm going to come up. Here's the proof. I have videos. I have some messages. I have the police reports. I have the, the recorded phone calls. And just to let everyone who's going to say that's a bad idea, it's not to hurt the child. It's just to show the child, you know, I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm just I'm just showing you facts kind of thing. Yeah. It's not to hurt the other parents. It's not to do anything. It's just to prove to your children that that you did everything you were to see them and stay down with them. And, they, and in the end, you know, what that happens, you know, that's just follow them man, you know. Right. They believe you, they believe you're good, you know, you you're gonna, you know, develop their relationship with the children. If not, well then hey, you know, just you know, then the rest of that with your chin held high because you did everything you could and, like, and then keep doing keep doing, doing right and maybe eventually they'll you know they'll see through it and maybe apologize. So always do right. Yeah. Well, hey, Jamie, I appreciate you coming on tonight, but if you have anything else to say, feel free. Uh, no problem, uh, not at this moment. All right, bud. Well, hey, we appreciate it, and if you ever want to come on again, let us know. Uh, well, thank you. All right, Jamie, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, I want to thank Jamie Reyes for coming on and sharing his story. And if any of you guys out there have a similar story or want to get your story heard, please hit me at my email at future4family at gmail.com or you can call me at 254-899-5684. Thank you guys.